to us. And as your word goes forth, we trust it will not return void, but accomplish what it's sent forth to do. I ask that you would empower me with your spirit to say what it is you'd have me to say today. The boldness of the spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Um, I'm supposed to preach to you today about Jesus, so that's what we're going to do. Not going to have a lot of scriptures to turn to. If you attend here regularly, you know we turn to scriptures all the time. But just have one that I want to open with. John eight fifty eight. John eight fifty eight. And Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, Before Abraham was, I am. Of course, these people question, say, how could he say such a thing? Seeing he's not even 50 years old. But you see, they didn't know. Who he was. You see many people think. Jesus began his existence. When he was born in Bethlehem. But that is not true. Jesus said of course as we read before Abraham was. I am. You know the first verse in the Bible says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And that word for God used in the first verse of the Bible is the Hebrew word Elohim, which is a masculine plural noun, meaning God... And being plural, it not only shows God, but it shows the Trinity, the three in one. There is one God, but he's manifested in three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And it allows us to better understand later in Genesis when he made man, he said, let us. Make man in our image and in our likeness. One God, all right, but three distinct persons. As I said, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You actually study into it and the the word for God, Elohim, means a plurality acting in complete and total unity. The Father, the Son... And the Holy Spirit, one God, yet three, yet one, yet three, the Trinity. And throughout the Old Testament, we see the second member of the Trinity, the second member of the Trinity, who we know as Jesus, but they did not know him as Jesus, yet still the exact same person. 
And throughout the Old Testament, we see that second member of the Trinity appearing and interacting in believers' lives. This is known in theology as a Christophany. When the second member of the Trinity would appear in the Old Testament. He would sometimes appear as an angel. Though he's not an angel, in fact, he created the angels and everything else. But sometimes he appeared as an angel in the Bible. If you study the Bible, when the second member of the Trinity showed up and appeared in the Old Testament as an angel, it would use a capital A, an angel, and would refer to him as the angel of the Lord, but it's actually the Lord himself. The second member of the Trinity making what is known as a pre-Bethlehemic appearance. The theological word, as I said, is a Christophany. Sometimes he would appear, as I said, as an angel and sometimes he would appear as a man. Though not a man in the Old Testament, but would appear as one. Of course, we know he became a man when he was born of the virgin. And it's an awesome thing to think about that the second member of the Trinity will remain a glorified man throughout eternity. Many had seen and talked with him centuries and millennia before the angels heralded his birth in Bethlehem. I want to say that again. Many in the Old Testament, recorded in the Old Testament, had seen and talked with him centuries and millennia before the angels heralded his birth to the shepherds in Bethlehem. The second member of the Trinity, he appeared to Abraham as a man named Melchizedek. The Bible brings out and says Melchizedek, king of Jerusalem, brought out bread and wine. He was the priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abraham. And Abraham gave him a tenth of all. And the book of Hebrews tells us further information on this Melchizedek. It was actually the second member of the Trinity making a pre-Bethlehemic appearance to Abraham. And the book of Hebrews calls him the king of righteousness. The king of peace. Without father, without mother. See, in the Old Testament, Jesus had no earthly father. And certainly in the New Testament, he has no earthly father. Though a heavenly father, he does have. Without mother, see, in the Old Testament, he had no mother. In the New, we know her to be Mary, the virgin. Without Natural genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, being made like the Son of God. So we see that he appeared to Abraham as Melchizedek. And then further on down, Abraham one day was sitting at the gate of his tent when three men showed up. And Abraham served them a meal. And one of those three 
was the second member of the Trinity. Two angels, but the third one was the second member of the Trinity. And Abraham bowed to the ground and began to worship. And you need to realize this, angels of God will never receive the worship of man, but yet this third angel received Abraham's worship. He was not just a man, but he was the second member of the Trinity. And he spoke to Abraham about the birth of Isaac and, of course, the destruction of Sodom. And then later on down, you know, Abraham had Isaac and then Isaac, of course, had Jacob. And this second member of the Trinity appeared to Jacob. The Bible says that Jacob dreamed, was dreaming one night, behold, a ladder was set on the earth, and its top reached to heaven, and he saw the angels of God, regular angels, if you will, ascending and descending upon that ladder. But then Jacob saw the Lord. The Hebrew word Jehovah, the second member of the Trinity, is often referred to as Jehovah in the Old Testament. He saw him standing above that ladder. And the Lord said, Behold, I am with you. That's good to hear from the Lord. I am with you and I'll keep you wherever you go. And will bring you back to this land. For I will not leave you until I have done that which I have spoken to you. Think about that. He said to him, I'll not leave you until I have done what I have spoken to you. And then later at another time. The Bible says that Jacob wrestled with this second member of the Trinity, appearing to him as a man. Jacob said, I'll not let you go until you bless me. And the Lord changed his name from Jacob to Israel. We further see the second member of the Trinity appearing. As Moses was tending the flock of sheep of his father-in-law in Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. The Bible says the angel, capital A in angel, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush that was burning but was not consumed. And he said, the Lord, from the middle of that burning bush, said, take off your shoes for you're standing on holy ground. And, of course, the second member of the Trinity appeared to Moses at other times as we study the life of Moses. But yet appeared to him in that burning bush, in that flame of fire, that flame of fire. Ezekiel saw the second member of the Trinity. Actually, Ezekiel saw the throne of God as a wheel in the middle of a wheel and it was moving and he saw the Lord and he saw the Lord as a fire from the loins up and a fire from the loins down. And Habakkuk, another prophet of the Old Testament, saw the second member of the Trinity, and he described him like this. His brightness was as the light. 
And he had shafts of light coming out of his hands. Think about that. Habakkuk sees the Lord and says his brightness. Moses talked about fire. Ezekiel, fire. Habakkuk sees this brightness and this, he said it was as the light. He had shafts of light coming out of his hands and therein was the hiding place of his power. We see Samson's humble parents. Remember the strong man of the Old Testament, Samson. Samson's mother, before she had Samson, was barren and could not have children. And Samson's parents were humble people. And one day, the Bible says, the angel of the Lord, capital A, angel, the second member of the Trinity, appeared to her. And he was awesome. She said he was awesome in appearance. And she went and told her husband, and in the process of time... This second member of the Trinity, this angel of the Lord, appeared to both of them, told her she was going to have a baby, gave her some instructions on what she was to do and not do with her son, who would be Samson. And then Samson's parents offered an offering just like Abraham did and others did when they would see him. Our offerings are important to God. And they offered an offering to him and they laid it upon the altar. And the Bible says that this angel of the Lord essentially leaped into that fire and ascended up. We need to remember who we're serving. That we serve an awesome God. Sometime later, Gideon has an appearance from the angel of the Lord, capital A, an angel, the second member of the Trinity. And Gideon saw himself as the least of the least, the smallest of the small. He saw himself as not counting for much or being very important. But yet this angel of the Lord, this second member of the Trinity, and I want to reemphasize it, he is not an angel. He was just appearing as an angel in the Old Testament. Sometimes he would appear as an angel. Sometimes he would appear as a man. But he appeared to Gideon as an angel. And he said to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, you mighty man of valor. We must remember that God doesn't see things the way we see things. Gideon saw himself, as I said, as unimportant, but yet God saw him as vital and important. I believe God sees every one of us as vital and important. The Bible says that Gideon placed his offering on the altar just like Samson's parents did. Because the Lord shows up, they want to give him an offering. You see that throughout the entirety of the Old Testament. People that loved God wanted to give him an offering. And Gideon placed his offering on the altar in the presence of the Lord. And this angel of the Lord, who is really, of course, the Lord, had a staff in his hand and he touched that offering 
with his staff. And the Bible says that a flame of fire shot up and consumed it on the altar. And then the angel of the Lord just disappeared. Wow. Joshua, we often talk about the battle of Jericho. But I think we forget to talk about what happened right before Jericho. How many remembers Jericho where the walls came tumbling down? But you must read what happened before, just before that great event, some days and some time before, just just shortly before. The Bible said that Joshua was out and he was walking along and perhaps, no doubt, thinking about this great battle because Jericho was this awesome city, this walled city. And no doubt Joshua was was out thinking about this and, and, and thinking about he was facing a great battle. Have you ever been facing a great battle? And he was facing perhaps one of the greatest battles that he would ever face. Thinking about this city, this walled city of Jericho. And the Bible says that Joshua lifted his eyes as he walked along. He lifted his eyes and he looked. And behold, the Bible says a man, but it's capital M. A man stood opposite. See, sometimes the Lord would appear as an angel. Sometimes he would appear as a man. To Joshua, he appeared as a man. And he stood opposite him. Opposite Joshua, this man stood there, and he had his sword drawn in his hand. Think about that. Joshua facing this awesome battle, and he looks up, and there's this man who is the Lord standing with his sword drawn. You must remember that the Lord is a mighty warrior, and he showed up. With that sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went up to him and said to him. Are you for us? Are you for our adversaries? And the Lord said. No I'm not for the adversaries. But I'm for you. And then listen to what the Lord said. This man that stood there with this sword. He said. He said as commander of the army of the Lord. You must remember that the second member of the Trinity. Is the commander of the army of the Lord. Of the Lord, the commander of the angels of the Lord, the commander, he's the creator of the angels and he's the commander of the angels. We need to remember that those that be with us are more than those that be with the enemy. And he says that I am the commander of the army of the Lord and I've now come. The Bible says that Joshua fell on his face to the earth and worshiped. And this man received his worship, further letting us know this was indeed the second member of the Trinity. And he said to to him, what does my Lord say to his servant? You see, Joshua was thinking about this battle. And the commander of the Lord's army, the Lord said to him, take your shoes off. Said to him, same thing he said to Moses, take your shoes off for the feet, for your feet are standing on holy ground. 
And then the Bible says, and listen to this, the Bible says to him that this man who was the Lord gave him instructions as to how to win the battle of Jericho. And he told him to to go in there and go around the city once a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, go around seven times and blow the trumpets and shout and The walls had come tumbling down and it happened just like the Lord said. But the point I want to get across to you is if you're facing a battle, that same commander of the army of the Lord that helped Joshua is there to help you. You're not going to have to face that battle alone if you will like Joshua take some time apart and seek the Lord and that same commander of the Lord's host is available to you just as he was. To Joshua. And then the Bible later talks about. This man named Sennacherib. He was an evil Assyrian king. And a warrior with one of the most powerful armies ever. Up to that time. And he came against. God's king. King Hezekiah, a godly king who was reigning in Jerusalem of Judah. The Bible says that Sennacherib had already sacked 46 towns and villages in Judah, taking away thousands of prisoners and much spoil. But the Bible says that Hezekiah refused Sennacherib's demand to surrender Jerusalem, but he trusted in God. You know, we need to be like Hezekiah. We need to refuse to bow our knees to the devil's demands. We need to refuse to surrender to what the devil has planned for us. And we need to trust in God. And the Bible said that as Hezekiah refused to surrender and continued to trust in God that one night the angel of the Lord, capital A, angel of the Lord, the second member of the Trinity, he went out and he killed in one night 185,000 of these evil, evil warriors who had come against Hezekiah. And I'm here today to tell you that if God will do that for Hezekiah, he'll do it for you and he'll do it for me. If we'll refuse to bow our knee to the devil and if we'll stand and trust God. And then of all of these Christophanies that we see in the Old Testament, perhaps the one that is the most outstanding of all was the time when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the three Hebrew children were commanded to bow when the music played, when the evil king Nebuchadnezzar played the music, they were supposed to bow. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said, we will not bow. So the king called them in and said, we're going to play the music again. And when we'll give you another chance, and when we play the music, you better bow. Because if you don't bow, we've got this furnace over here. And it's stoked up seven times hotter than it's ever been. And if you don't bow, you three are going into that fiery furnace. And they said to the king, we know in whom we have trusted. We know in whom we have believed. I'm paraphrasing it now. But this is what they said. We're not going to bow to you. 
you, King, because we know that our God is able to deliver us. But even if He doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to bow to you. Praise God forevermore. And so the king threw him in. And then sometime later, that old King Nebuchadnezzar, he went in there himself, you know, to look into that. I mean, that thing was so hot that when they threw when they threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they threw those three guys in, that the people that threw them in were consumed with the fire. The fire was so hot. But then, of course, Nebuchadnezzar, sometime later, he goes down to the furnace to see and to look and see if, they're, if they've been consumed. And he looks in and, of course, you know, he sees Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. But then he says, look, I see a fourth man. There's a fourth man in there. There's, a fourth, there's somebody else in there. There's a fourth man in there. And he looks like the Son of God. My goodness, that was the second member of the Trinity making a pre-Bethlehemic appearance. Can you say Amen. Glory to God. And you know, they weren't even burned at all. They, the, the only thing that got burned was the ropes got burned off of them that they were bound with. When they threw them in there, they were walking around. They were just fine. And they came out on the other side, didn't even smell a smoke. Glory to God. Because the second member of the Trinity showed up. Praise God. Even that old evil king looked in and saw. He, he saw that Christophany. He saw the second member of the Trinity making a pre-Bethlehemic appearance. Glory to God. Hallelujah forevermore. Of course, when the fullness of time had come, God sent the angel Gabriel to a virgin named Mary. And she received God's word. The Bible says in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the Word, the Word, the second member of the Trinity, the one we've been talking about, the time came when the virgin received that Word that was sent her by God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So what do we see in Bethlehem? We see the second member of the Trinity. We see Him taking on human form, never to appear again as an angel, but now He'll only appear as a man. And as I said earlier, He'll be a man throughout all eternity. His name is Emmanuel, which means God with us. And they named him Jesus. And that's how we know him. Jesus. Jesus of Nazareth. The Bible says he is the image of the invisible God. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. Remember he said, before Abraham was, I am. And he is before all things and in him all things consist. The Bible says... That He is the brightness of the glory of the Father. He is the express image of the person 
of God the Father. Jesus said, He who has seen me has seen the Father. Think about that. When you look at Jesus, the man, you see very God in the flesh. 100% man, yet 100% God. We see him at the river Jordan to be baptized. We told you in the Old Testament what he looked like. A fire from the loins up, fire from the loins down, fire in the middle of the bush that Moses saw. But yet to see him as he grew as a 12-year-old boy at the temple... To see him as he approached the river Jordan to be baptized. The prophet Isaiah told us what he looked like. You see, Isaiah also saw him in the Old Testament. He saw him, he said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord on a throne high and lifted up and his train filled the temple. Think about that. But now, we see Jesus at the River Jordan. And in his earthly ministry. And Isaiah wrote and said, There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. That's in Isaiah, the 53rd chapter. You see, the book of Philippians tells us that Jesus, that second member of the Trinity, when he became a man and took on that human name, Jesus, he laid down his expression of deity. But not his possession of it. And in his earthly ministry, the only time that that glory was actually seen on him, that they saw in the Old Testament, the only time that was seen was when Peter, James, and John were with him on what's known as the Mount of Transfiguration when he was transfigured before them. But other than that, for 33 and one half years, he looked like any other man. John the Baptist, looking at him, said, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. And as Jesus came up out of the waters of baptism, the Bible says the heavens were opened and the Holy Spirit descended upon him as a dove. And the book of Acts tells us how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy... See, Jesus of Nazareth. See, though He was God, as God, He needed no anointing, but He didn't operate in the earth as God. He operated as a man anointed with the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing good and healing all 
who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And though he looked like any other man, Isaiah tells us that. And though Jesus looked like any other man, it wasn't until he opened his mouth and began to speak that you knew there was something different about him because the people said, this man speaks with authority. He doesn't speak like all these other preachers we have. He speaks with authority so much so that even the demons tremble when he talks. And obey what he says. They didn't know that there was something different about him until he fed the multitudes with a few loaves and a few fish. Until he walked on the water. Until he calmed the storm. Until he cleansed the leper. Until he raised the dead. Until he gave hearing to the deaf and sight to the blind and went about healing other people by the multitudes. Though he looked like any other man, he was not like any other man. He was the Son of God. The express image, the person of Almighty God. It came time for him to go to the cross. And of course, they condemned him, they mocked him, falsely accused him, beat him immersively, plucked his beard, spit upon his face, beat his face, whipped his back with that Roman cat. Nine tables. Crowned him with a crown of thorns. Mocked him every way he could be mocked. They took him out to a hill, a mountain called Calvary. And there they crucified him with two thieves, one on the left hand and one on the right. And Isaiah said in... The 52nd chapter of Isaiah, he said that he became on that cross, he became an object of horror. Many were astonished at him. His face and his whole appearance were marred more than any man in his form beyond that of the sons of men. And you see, that was when all of the sins of all mankind, yours and mine included, were laid upon him. And all the sickness and all the disease was laid upon his body. Unrecognizable as a man. The Bible says he is despised. Isaiah said this. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. What would you and I have done had we been at Calvary that day? What everyone else did, we would have hid. It was an awesome sight. Think of what Jesus bore for you and me. 
you and I had an appointment on that cross. But he stepped in for us. Does he hang upon that cross suspended between heaven and earth? He made several sayings from the cross. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. One of the thieves repented, though the other one did not. And said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said, I'll be with you in paradise. As darkness cover the land, the judgment of God, Jesus there being judged in our place, he cries and says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then he says, Father, into your hands I commit My spirit, it is finished. And he yields up his spirit. And there was an earthquake and things shook and it moved that centurion who was no doubt a hardened man who had crucified so many. It moved him so. And he said, truly this man was the son of God. And he was right. They take Jesus' body down from the tomb. They place it down from the cross. Take it down from the cross and place it in the tomb of a rich man named Joseph of Arimathea. Wrapped his body and prepared it and in the tomb. But thank God his body didn't stay in the tomb very long. Three days and three nights. And if I had time, I could go through and chronicle to you from the Word of God what happened between the time He yielded up His Spirit and they took His body off the cross, put it in the tomb. I could chronicle to you in the spirit realm from the Bible what happened and go through point by point. But for the sake of time, I won't do that today, but I'll just tell you this. The third day came. And Jesus took the keys of hell and of death away from the devil. That authority that Adam gave the devil in the Garden of Eden, Jesus now takes that authority... And takes the keys of hell and of death. And he goes over into paradise. Where that thief that repented on the cross right before he died. He was with that thief. And all the other Old Testament saints. These people, these same people that I talked to you about earlier. Who had saw him in the Old Testament. And now he is with them in paradise, Abraham's bosom. And the Bible says they have a worship service. Oh, to hear Jesus sing. My, 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 my. Wouldn't that be something? And the Bible says that there was a great earthquake. 
For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and rolled back the stone that was in front of that door where Jesus' body lay. And the angel sat on it. And then the Bible says, and many think that the Bible's talking about the angel, but I'm convinced from my study, of course the angel came down and rolled the stone away and sat on the stone, but most think that that, that what happened next was the, 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 the soldiers there at the tomb were frightened because of the angel, and that may well be, but from my study of it, the Bible says once that stone was rolled away and there's that earthquake and all of that, the Bible says his countenance was like lightning, his clothing as white as snow, and the guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. I'm convinced that it wasn't so much the angel that startled him, although that might have been... But, but I'm convinced that it was Jesus that came walking out of that tomb. Glory to God. His countenance was like lightning. His body had been glorified. His body had been hit by the power of God. His body had been healed. Bless God forevermore. And he came out of that tomb. His countenance like lightning. And his clothing white as snow. And it shook those guards up. And they became like dead men. Tell you what, Jesus shows up. People bite the dust. We're talking about power like you have never seen or experienced. Power yet gentle and meek and mild, all in the same person. Think of that. And Mary shows up to tend to his body. She sees the gardener there, thinking it was the gardener. Why didn't she recognize him? Well, when's the last time you went to a cemetery to visit someone who has died, and the next thing you know they're standing there talking to you? Much we could say about that, but it wasn't until he opened his mouth and said, Mary. She knew it was him, and it was. He said, don't touch me, for I have not yet ascended. And, of course, the Bible tells us in the book of Hebrews, he goes into heaven, and he goes into the heavenly holy of holies with his holy blood. And places it on the heavenly mercy seat. It's accepted by God. And eternal salvation is sealed for everyone who will believe in Him with childlike faith. For the next 40 days, Jesus appeared at various times to various people. He appeared to his disciples, the doors being shut. I've learned this about Jesus. He doesn't like using doors. He typically doesn't use doors. He walks right through walls. And the reason he doesn't use doors is because he is the door.
And as I said, he appeared to many over a 40-day period of time. And then eventually ascended into heaven and seated at the right hand of God. Sometime later, Stephen, full of the Holy Ghost and power, one of the first deacons of the church, was making a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. And it upset the religious people. It upset those that didn't want to hear about Jesus. And they martyred him. They stoned him. And when he was dying, he saw over into the spirit realm. Dear friends, there's two realms. There's a natural realm and there's a spirit realm. And let me tell you, the spirit realm is just as real and more real than this natural realm. Most people are so aware of the natural realm. But dear friends, there is a spirit realm. And it's more real than this natural realm. And the natural realm came out of the spirit realm. Don't ever forget that. There's angels in here right now. Well, I can't see them, but they're there. I'm telling you, they're in the spirit realm. And they can manifest in the natural realm. And I tell you what, they've kept most all of us alive. Times they've helped us, we don't even know it. They're mighty beings, awesome beings. They're not fat little babies with wings. I assure you that. And they don't look like Clarence on It's a Wonderful Life. I assure you that. They're powerful beings. But they can appear as men. That's why the Bible says, Don't be forgetful to entertain strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. But Stephen, while he's being stoned, as he's dying, he looks and he sees into the spirit realm and he sees that second member of the Trinity who in the Old Testament was known as the angel of the Lord or Jehovah, but now and forever will be known as Jesus, a glorified man. And he said, I see the Son of Man, Jesus, standing at the right hand of God as he died. Think about that. That's the way when you die, that's the way you want to go. Have Jesus stand up from the throne to welcome you in. Sometime later, we see Saul of Tarsus, a mean, cruel, bad dude, going around killing people like you and me, having people like you and me in prison. And the Bible says he was on the road to Damascus one day. And the Bible says that there was a light, that sh- light, there was a light, there was a light, there was a light that shone around him. Brighter than the noonday sun, he would have give account later. And that light, that power knocked him to the ground and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? He said, who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus of Nazareth, whom you're persecuting. And Saul got born again that day and became Paul. That light was so bright that it blinded him. See, Jesus, as he walked the shores of Galilee, looked no different than you or I in in, in appearance, as we've said. But now that he's been raised from the dead and he's got that glorified body, now that glory is back, that power is back. You know, he had the power when he walked. But you, you know, I'm talking about that manifestation. When you experience him, when you see him, that glory, that power. Power that that might and 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 Saul experienced that he wrote later when I think he was wrote, writing to Timothy and he said that that Jesus listen to this, Jesus is clothed in light that it's so bright it's so powerful that it's inapproachable. Think about that. 
And he experienced that light and it knocked him down and it changed his life. And John would write and say of Jesus that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If you're here today and you've got sickness or disease in your body, let that light of God, that laser beam of God, let that light of the power of the Spirit of God burn that sickness and disease right out of your body. And then John saw him on the Isle of Patmos as he was exiled there for the testimony that he had for the Word of God. And he said, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the first and the last. And he said, I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw. And he said, he saw the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet and girded about the chest with a golden band. And his head and his hair were white like wool, as white as snow. That was the glory of God. In his eyes, you want to know what Jesus looks like now. His eyes were like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass as refined in a furnace. And his voice is the sound of many waters. His countenance, his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. Sometime, have you ever gone outside and looked up at the sun? I wouldn't recommend you do it, but have you ever done that? And That's what we're talking about when we're talking about The throne of God in Jesus. Power like you cannot imagine. His countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, John said, No, we didn't sit down and have a cup of tea. No, John said, when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. We need to remember who we're serving. We're not serving some sugar daddy up in the sky. We're serving Almighty God who deserves honor and deserves respect. Can anybody say amen? You think you're going to go to heaven and just slop hop up around God just any old way you think? Absolutely not. I'm telling you what, by the Spirit of God, I know this in my spirit. If you don't learn how to operate yourself and conduct yourself in the presence of God down here, you're going to have to learn it up there once you get up there before you're going to be allowed to get, 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 get around too much around the presence of where the throne of God is. Christians in the United States, by and large, have lost a revelation of who God is and who Jesus is. He is awesome and He's mighty. He's powerful. He's wonderful. And He's to be respected and He's to be adored. Of all of these appearances of Jesus, they're magnificent, but one in modern day that I recall Has anybody ever heard of R.W. Schambach? And he was a preacher of some days gone by. He's with the Lord now in heaven. But one of the best preachers that I've ever heard. 
And I used to listen to him years ago on radio at night. He would come on and then the Apostle Johnny Washington would come on right after him. And if you haven't heard the Apostle Johnny Washington preach, I tell you what. But R.W. Schambach and those two, they could preach. And R.W. Schambach would close every one of his messages and he would say, You don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. And I wondered where he got that from. And one day I got to hear him tell that story, not in person, but over the airwaves. And he said that he had been invited after a revival meeting over to somebody's house. And, and it was in Buffalo where the meeting was. And the person lived in Niagara Falls. They drove quite a distance over to this person's house. And he was sitting there, and they had quite a spread out, and, and, and they were eating. And, and R.W. Schambach said he was, just, he, he, he was asked to pray, so he prayed quick because he was hungry and he wanted to get at that food. And then he said he couldn't take a bite of the food because of the story this man was telling him. And this man said, Brother Schambach... You see these blessings that I have here now. And he said, but there was a day that he said, I was, he said, I got all these blessings back. But he said, there was a day that I, I was blessed even more so than I am now. I had a lot of money in the bank. I was in the prime of my life. I was healthy. Everything was going well. And he said, Right out of the blue, I was struck with spinal meningitis. And he said, in the process of time, I was hospitalized and I lay there for some three months. He said, the insurance policy I had was good, but all the money had dwindled away. I was down to double zero in the bank. Nothing left. I was at the point of death, laying in the hospital. And he said it had gotten so bad that as I was just nearing the threshold of death, a priest came in through the door, dressed in black with a collar turned back, and he laid his briefcase up on the table, opened up his briefcase and took some paraphernalia out and began to give me the last rites and gave me the last rites. The priest put his stuff back in the briefcase, shut the briefcase, got up, and walked out the door. And he said, no more than that priest walked out that door, he said, another priest walked right through the wall. He said, the one that walked out was wearing black, but the one that came through the wall was in a white flowing robe. And came over to my bedside and put his lips to my ears and said, You don't have any problems. All you need is faith in God. And he thought to himself, What do you mean I don't have any problems? All I need is faith in God. Man, don't you see I'm laying here about to die? And the priest said, I am Jesus of Nazareth. And I've come to heal you. When I walk out of this room, get out of that bed, go in there and shave yourself and go to the first bookstore you come to and buy a Bible and start reading in the Gospel of St. John and there you will find the way to eternal life. And then he said that priest walked right back out that wall, not through the door. 
He said he pulled the IVs out. He got up, dressed, went in and shaved himself, then went out to a bookstore, bought a Bible, went to John, and found that as many as receive him will become children of God and got born again and got his blessings back. Isn't Jesus wonderful? And so I'll close by saying this. I was supposed to come and preach about Jesus today. I believe I've done that. If you remember those Old Testament Christophanies that we that I mentioned to you, it's interesting as I was studying through them, sometimes they would ask, what is your name? And the Lord typically didn't tell them. Except in one case when Samson's parents asked and said, what is your name? He responded, it is wonderful. And you know his name is wonderful. But I think there's another reason perhaps the Lord didn't answer is because to answer the question would have taken too much time. Because if you really want his name, and I've read these before, but you know they bear repetition. So just listen to these. What's your name, Lord? Let me just tell you what his name is. Just listen for a few moments. His name is Advocate, Almighty, Alpha, Amen, Apostle, Arm of the Lord, Author and Finisher of our our faith, Baptizer in the Holy Ghost, Beloved of the Father, Bishop, Branch, Bread of Life, Bright Morning Star, Captain of Salvation, Chief Shepherd, Chief Cornerstone, Christ, Commander-in-Chief, Counselor, Daysman, Daystar, Deliverer, Door, Elect, Emmanuel, Eternal Life, Faithful and True, Fairest Among Ten Thousand, Firstborn from the Dead, Fourth Man, Foundation, Friend of Sinners, Gift of God, God Manifest in the Flesh, God's Dear Son, Governor, Good Shepherd, Head of the Church, High Priest, Holy One of God, Hope, Intercessor, Jehovah, Jehovah, Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, He's the Provider, He's the Healer, Jehovah Shama, He's there, Jehovah Nisi, He's Victory, Jehovah Shalom, He's our Peace, Jehovah Sidkenu, He's our Righteousness, King of Kings, Lamb of God, Light of the World, Lily of the Valley, Living Stone, Lion of the Tribe of Judah, Lord of Lords, Master, Mediator, Messiah, Mighty to Save, to the Uttermost, Morning Star, Most Holy, Omega, Only Begotten of the Father, Only Wise God, Power of God, Prince of Peace, Payment or Propitiation for Our Sins, Rabbi, Redeemer, Resurrection and the Life, Righteous Judge, Rock of Our Salvation, Rose of Sharon, Son of Man, Son of God, not only the Son of God, but God the Son, Sure Foundation, Teacher, Vine, Way, the Truth, the Life, the Wisdom of God, Wonderful, Word of God, the One which is, which was, which is to come. He's the first, He's the last, He's the Alpha, He's the Omega, He's everything in between, and He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can anybody say Amen? Glory to God forevermore. Stand up and give God a shout. Give Him a praise. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God. We bless you, Lord. We magnify your holy name forever. 
We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. We give you honor and glory and praise and blessing. There's none like you in all the earth. We give honor and glory to God the Father. We give honor and glory to God the Son. The Lord Jesus Christ. We give honor and glory to the precious Holy Spirit of God. We bless you. You're welcome in this place. Move as you see fit. Sweep through this congregation with your healing power. Let the light, God is light, and in Him is no darkness at all. There's no shadow of turning in Him. There's there's no darkness in Him. Let that light sweep through this congregation and drive out sickness, drive out disease in the name of Jesus. Glory to God forevermore. Hallelujah. Oh, Worship Him some more. Raise your voice to Him and worship Him. Praise you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Bless you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Praise God forevermore. Bless God. Bless God. Bless God. Bless God. Bless God. Bless God. We serve a mighty God. He's mighty to save. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 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 Raise your voice one more time. Bless Him. Bless Him. Bless Him. Bless Him. He's so worthy. We bless you, Lord. We bless you. We bless you. We bless you. You get a revelation of what we've talked about here today. The things of this earth will grow strangely dim. Grow strangely dim. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 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 My wife's going to come close up the service. Praise God. Praise you, Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, all those names he just said, wouldn't you want to follow that kind of a person anywhere? Wouldn't you want to follow him in anything? All those wonderful names, all those things that, that God has used to describe Jesus Christ. We want to follow him, don't we? We want to follow him. In Mark it says, If any of you wants to be my followers, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news or the gospel, you will save it. Pastor Cherry just said, you know, the things around us can become dimmer and dimmer as his light gets brighter and brighter in our life. And the Lord also told us at the beginning of the year that this is a year to get our house in order. The way we get our house in order is by laying down our life and following Jesus Christ. We need to follow Jesus Christ and crucify our flesh and get our houses in order. We need to get our own personal house in order. We need to get rid of the sin in our life. We need to get rid of the ways that the flesh leads us. We need to put God's word in our heart. You know, I hear about Christians that never read their Bible. Your house isn't in order. I hear about Christians that are angry and upset and and won't forgive people. Your house is not in order. Do you know that 50% or more of Christians watch pornography? Your house is not in order. If you don't have your flesh under controls and your appetites, your house isn't in order. If you're, if, if you're not tithing, your house isn't in order. If you're not taking care of your body, your house isn't in order. There's so many things that we have that we need to take care of our own house, our own physical body, our own emotions, our own spirit, that we need to get ourselves in order. We need to 
turn from our sin and take up our cross and follow Jesus. You know, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, not your will, Lord, but not my will, Lord, but yours be done. Because Jesus had flesh, he did not want to go through what he was going through. But he decided to lay down his, his, lay down his own desires and follow his Father. And that's what we need to do. It's not, it's not easy, is it? It is not easy. That's why it's called crucifying the flesh. Crucifying the flesh. You know, it's, it's not easy to forgive someone who's harmed you. It's not easy to keep your mouth shut when you want to go off on somebody. It's not easy to read your Bible and, and get into the Word when you want to watch TV. There's so many things that aren't easy, but they're, God is calling us to do it. It's not easy to share the gospel with people that we don't know because we have insecurities or because we're, we're bashful or whatever. But we need to start laying all those things down and get our houses in order, our own personal house. Then we need to get our house in order as far as our family. We need to have our marriages be glorifying to God. You know, it's really hard to have a good marriage if you're selfish or self-centered or you want your own way. But if you want God's way, you'll lay down your flesh. You'll lay down your own desires and follow Jesus and get your house in order. We need to get our house in order as far as our children. How are we leading them? Do we teach them how to rebuke the devil? Do we teach them how to stand in faith? Do we teach them how to pray? Do we teach them how to study the word? We need to get our houses in order as far as how we treat our children. Children also need to get their houses in order and how they treat their parents. It's the year to get your house in order. And the way that we do that is by laying down our own desires crucifying our flesh and following Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we ask you by your Holy Spirit and through the word of God to show us how to follow you properly. You did not offer us a gospel of happiness and self-satisfaction. You offered us a gospel of laying down our own life and following you. And we ask you, Father, to help us with that. We know the anguish and pain that Jesus went through in the Garden of Gethsemane and in the trials and temptations in the desert. We know that you know how to conquer these things. And we ask you by your Holy Spirit to help us to make us aware at all times whether we're following our flesh or whether we're following you Jesus 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 you wonderful one the center of our life the one who can help us get our house in order Oh, Jesus, 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 we want you to be the center of our life. We don't want our job to be the center of our life. We don't want our hobbies to be the center of our life. We don't want people to be the center of our life. We don't want money to be the center of our life. 
We don't want pornography to be the center of our life. We don't want the person we're not married to, that we're attracted to, to be the center of our life. We don't want our children to be the center of our life. We want you, Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, to be the center of our life. And if you want that from your heart, I ask you to pray this with me. Dear Father, okay, let's, let's say this together, and if you believe it, if this is what you really want, pray it out loud. Dear Father, I lay down my life to follow you. I crucify my flesh. I will follow your word. I will make your word a priority in my life. For it is life, it is light, it is healing, it is comfort, it is wisdom, and it is direction. I will make your Holy Spirit more important in my life. I will lean on him. I will dwell in him. I will pray in the Spirit. I will rely on the Spirit to reveal your word to me. The fruit of the Spirit will flow out of me. That is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I will be known for those things. I will not be known for losing my temper, indulging in the flesh, Joking about sin or treating people poorly. I will be known as a Christian, a follower of Christ. In Jesus' name, I declare it and so it will be. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed.